Happy St. Patrick's Day. I have my green socks on <laughs> and my green tie. Well, in Philadelphia, on the east bank of the Schuylkill River, there's a statue of a pilgrim holding a Bible. And right near this statue, there is a stream that flows into the river. If you follow the stream back up the hill, you'll eventually come to the source, a spring of water. And right next to this spring, there's a stone with an engraving that says, whosoever shall drink of this water shall thirst again. Words taken directly from our text this morning. What do they mean for us? As we journey through Lent together, we're studying seven different kinds of prayer, both in our sermon series and in our Lenten small groups that meet throughout the week. This week, we're looking at a prayer of thirst. As the psalmist says, as the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God. The prayer of thirst begins first by acknowledging that our soul longs for something that only God can provide, as our text shows us this morning. On his way to Galilee, Jesus and his disciples passed through Samaria. Now we know that the Samaritans and the Jewish people absolutely loathed one another. After the Jewish exiles returned from Babylon, they found a central section of the ancient territory was already occupied by a group of people who claimed to be the true descendants of Abraham, the Samaritans. They opposed the return of the Jewish exiles, and since that time, there had been constant tension between these two people groups, racial tension Religious tension, political tension. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says, sometimes it had broken out into actual skirmishes with bloodshed and murder, but mostly it was simply a matter of not mixing with one another. The Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. They would especially not eat or drink together, and you would never share a cup with Samaritan. And yet Jesus passes through Samaria and comes to Jacob's well, which is still there today. Jesus
were astonished that he was speaking to a woman. Jesus breaks through the racial barrier, the gender barrier, and the moral barrier. Jesus tells the woman in verse 16, go, call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus already knew that. Verse 17 and 18, he says, you're right that you say you have no husband. You have had five husbands and you're not even married to the man you're with now. Friends, the ancient Near East was a moralistic and legalistic society. Having five failed marriages would have been beyond scandalous. It actually almost makes today's Hollywood marriages uh, seem not so bad. (laughs) Almost. This woman's life was a mess. She's probably coming to the well at noon in order to avoid the other women from town. Women would usually fetch water in the morning or in the late afternoon, not during the heat of the day. The last thing she wants is to rub shoulders with the other women in town. And they probably feel the same about her. Of course, Jesus knows all of this. And yet he still asks her for a drink. He sees her. He sees through her. And he engages her. But instead of giving Jesus a drink, she begins to question him. Why would you ask me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? The truth is, Jesus wants to use this well and the water in order to talk about something far more meaningful, something far more important. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked, and he would give you living water. Living water was a regular phrase people used in the time of Jesus for what we might call running water or fresh water, which is water from a stream or a river and not from a well or a cistern. Living water was fresh and clean, not water that's been standing around getting stagnant. But There's a double meaning here. Jesus isn't referring to to physical water at all. The living water Jesus is talking about is the water of life. Eternal life. And not just eternity in heaven, but abundant life that flows into the present, reshaping, reconfiguring, transforming your life here and now that will absolutely extend into eternity with God. But it begins now. But the Samaritan woman still thinks that Jesus is talking about physical water. Verse 11 and 12, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? She doesn't know what this living water is. 
and she doesn't know who she's talking to. This woman doesn't realize that what she longs for, what she thirsts for, is actually standing right in front of her. And he is the living water. He is the life. We don't know exactly what this woman has been through, but we do know that she has had a life composed of one emotional and relational fracture after another. Most likely, her various marriages ended in divorce, either legally or informally. Perhaps at some point in her life, she was wronged, discarded. But at the very least, after five failed marriages, it seems as though she is at least partly responsible for one broken relationship after another. This woman seems unable to have lasting, healthy relationships. This is a woman, like so many of us, who's trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction and worth in the wrong thing. She's gone from one man to the next, looking to quench that spiritual thirst, and Jesus knows it. Some of us, we might try to satisfy that thirst with a successful career, wealth, power, security, or obsessively trying to raise the perfect family with the perfect kids. Or we pour ourselves into our appearance and being obsessed with our physical fitness. Or maybe, like this woman, we're trying to satisfy that spiritual thirst with one bad relationship after another. Thinking, well, if I was with the right person, then I would be happy But what happens when you lose the perfect job or when you age out? What happens when your kids decide that they're going to move away? What happens when your health fades and you get those devastating lab results back? What happens when that relationship comes to an end, either through brokenness or through death, they all come to an end? And of course, many of us try to quench that thirst with substances or compulsive shopping or compulsive eating or casual sexual encounters or the endless abyss of screen time. The truth is, Nothing can satisfy that thirst except for the one who created that thirst within you. Because whether you are conscious of it or not, you were built for God, by God. To reflect God's image into this world, God made you to have a relationship with you. And that thirst is there in your heart so that you will long for the one Who made you? Who loves you? Who wants to give you 
life. Whether you know it or not. The Samaritan woman's life is broken, dysfunctional. Like all of us in one form or another, at one time or another. But the answer to that thirst that she has is standing right in front of her. Jesus says, I have come to give you abundant, overflowing life. So why would we settle for anything other than the best? Jesus is offering living water, new life, to anyone who's willing to first acknowledge that thirst. It isn't a matter of race or gender or moral background. The water is the gift of God, and that is grace. That's the gospel. But be warned, friends. When you start to drink this living water, it'll flood into every corner of your life. Things will start to change. Things will start to transform as you begin to surrender to the power of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty The water I give them will become in them a spring gushing up into eternal life. The words gushing up means to overflow, which is actually language borrowed from the Old Testament describing the Holy Spirit. Later, Jesus says in John 7, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me Drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. And verse 739 says he's talking about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. When God moves and acts, God does it by the Spirit. When God gives life, it is given through the Spirit. The water Jesus gives will become a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And friends, eternal life is the love, the grace, the peace, the never-ending presence of God with you, with us. And the source of this life, just like for this woman, is always right in front of us. Whether we feel it or not, if we're willing to look, if we're willing to drink. Friends, the prayer of thirst is first and foremost a prayer. And prayer is where it begins. It's where we nourish our relationship with God. Prayer is the cup from which we drink the water of life. 
turn to God in prayer. It is simple, but it is powerful. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God. The human body is made up of somewhere between 50 and 60 percent water, which is why we crave it like no other substance. We cannot live without water. After I graduated college, I knew I was going to go to seminary, but I had a window of time before I was going to start school again, and it was, I needed to make some money, save up for school. So I got a job at a moving crew, a moving company, and uh, I showed up on the first day, and I was going to go with the boss and his truck. He had about six or seven crews, different trucks that would go around the city of Seattle, and I showed up with absolutely nothing on my first day of work. I didn't bring any money. I didn't have much. I didn't bring a lunch. I didn't bring any water. Not very smart. I showed up, uh, and the boss looks at me, and he's like, did you not bring a lunch or water or anything? I'm all, no, boss, I'm good. I really wanted to impress him that day. This was kind of like a trial day for the two of us. It was a 14-hour work day. We moved three families, and I really wanted to impress the boss, so I sprinted from the truck to the house with boxes. By the end of the day, I was covered in sweat. I thought I was going to (laughs) die. We pulled up to a gas station to fill up the truck. I went into this not very pleasant bathroom, but for me, it was a spring of water. I go into this sink and I start to bathe myself in this water. I start to drink from it and it tastes so sweet. (laughs) I don't even care. I just needed the water. Do you know the kind of thirst I'm talking about? We're... (sighs) Maybe because you're smarter than me. (laughs) You know that satisfying thirst that when you finally get the water and you drink it and it tastes sweeter than anything you've ever had. Why is water so sweet when you're thirsty? Friends, the water is for us to remember. It's a signpost to something that's to teach us that our soul longs for something, our soul needs something even more than our body needs water. That's what the water's for. So let us come. All who are thirsty to the river of life For we are thirsty for God. So let us drink. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.